Father, this evening, once again, Lord, even as we are here in your presence, it is your church. Father, you said in your word that upon the rock of revelation that you would build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This evening, Father, that you would, Lord, speak to our hearts and, Lord, build us up even more. Strengthen us even more. Sanctify us a little more. Empower us a little more so that we can sin less and believe more and obey more and witness with assurance in our lives. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, last few days, um, I was uh, reading um, a series of messages by Charles Spurgeon on the prayers of Apostle Paul and how different are the prayers of Apostle Paul when compared to our prayers. Okay. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill is one who said, I mean, it's a very famous quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. A.W. Tozer, another man of God, has to say this. He says, show me the condition of your Bible and your hymnal. I will tell you the condition of your soul. Okay. So this is very important for us. And I I was attracted to one particular prayer by uh, Apostle Paul, and I'm going to use that as a launching pad for today's study. Uh, if if you if you have your Bibles, you can turn it, and I'm going to read it in my Bible. You can turn it in your own Bibles. This is uh, Ephesians chapter three, verses fourteen to nineteen. This is verses fourteen to nineteen. You can follow it in your Bibles, and I will read it in my Bible. Why is this important? Okay, let's read it first, and then I will uh, uh, give that illustration. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. It's remarkable. He tells us what is the kind of posture we need to have when we are praying, especially this prayer. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. And by the way, posture is very important. Okay, see, um, in the Bible, at, at least in the Hebrew Bible, there are two words for worship, renderings for the word worship. First word for rendering rendering for the word worship is to prostrate yourself on your face before God. That is one, uh, what do you say, meta- metaphor or, uh, uh, or rather rendering. The other word for worship is to kiss, to kiss the son. It says in Psalms to kiss the son lest he be angry with you when his wrath is kindled but a little. Okay, so the two words for worship, both have this, uh, what do you say, this uh, uh, essence of honor and reverence. And the strength of a church is directly proportional to the reverence that the church shows for God. The strength of an individual is directly proportional to the reverence that you show to show for God. So posture is very important. Okay, don't ever think that posture is not important. That three kinds of angles. There is acute angle, there is right angle, there is obtuse angle. 
Okay, right angle is a man who is, we don't know, he's straight. We don't know whether he's for God or against God. Okay. There is one angle called acute angle where you bend like this. All my GSS children know. Acute, when you're bending and your posture is there, you're listening to God, you're towards God. Acute angle. Okay. And there is obtuse angle. Posture is like this, sleeping. Okay. So in every class you will find three kinds of people. There are acute, acute angle people. They're right angle people and they're obtuse angle people. That is the reason why, you know, there's a word, why are you so obtuse? Indifferent. So posture is important. Okay, posture is very, very, very important. Especially in my class, if the posture is not there, I just take my students to task. Okay, but you are not my students. Now you are students of God. Okay, so let us, uh, so your posture is important to him. That's what I'm saying. For this reason, I bow my knees uh, before the father from whom every family in earth and on uh, and um, in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man notice that okay so what is important what is this what is the uh, focus of this prayer in a man okay he says i bow my knees before god and i pray that all of you in this efficient church and therefore all of us who are reading this particular epistle will be strengthened by the spirit by with power in the inner man with might in the inner man so that verse 17 christ may dwell in your hearts through faith in other words christ will not dwell in hearts which are not strong in the inner man understand that okay very important observation. So, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height, what is the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge or understanding, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a mouthful. And it's still a continuation. There's so many commas. There is no full stops anywhere. Okay. And, you know, there is something in mathematics called uh, mensuration. Okay? Geometry. Okay? So, if you don't know 10th class mensuration, no problem. But if you do not know heavenly divine geometry, it's a big, big problem. Okay? There's divine geometry here. Okay? So, we'll talk about the divine geometry later on. But what is the focus of his prayer? In a man. You know, there was one guy called uh, Gordon MacDonald, if I'm right, who wrote, his, wrote this book called Ordering Your Private World. Ordering Your private world uh, and I think even Sundar Krishnan wrote this book he says um, ordering your private space or something like that and in that in that uh, in that uh, book he gives us uh, example of this uh, aeroplane which is a Boeing 777 aeroplane and it's really really rough weather you know there's a lot of turbulence and if you are in a aeroplane and you're landing and then when there is turbulence boy you really need to pray yeah, if you have been in a flight and when there's turbulence, you know. Okay, it's the first time when I went with Pastor James to Bagdogra, I was going through this turbulent zone. Suddenly, you know, I was in the flight, right, 25,000 feet above sea level and suddenly there was a bump, bump like that, no? Everybody went like this and I was thinking, where are we? And then I realized this is not bus, this is Airbus. And then I started praying. Okay, so so what happened? This this pilot is in, the, is in, is in turbulence and tremendous amount of, uh, you know, terrible weather conditions but you know with with real real skill he you know goes through that part of turbulence and slowly um, guides the plane and wonderful landing hits the uh, the, the the runway the strip and you know 
um, beautifully he negotiates the 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 plane and gets it to the dock he's got this incredible skill to maneuver this 777 boeing okay and then after <laughs> after a while now this is the element of surprise okay the after a while he is now has to get out of the plane and so what he does is he is getting out of the plane he puts on his jacket and he comes out of out, out of the cockpit and even as he's coming out coming out of the cockpit the air hostess by mistake uh, puts her bag okay on the on the floor and he trips over the bag and immediately what comes out hmm uh, the four letter what comes out and you know the, what god mcdonald i think sundakrishnan will say he says this guy who had this incredible capacity to maneuver sorry what is going on over there <laughs> yeah maneuver this 777 aircraft has got no power to maneuver himself the strength of his mind you think you know one of the things that everybody says about rafanadal is that he's got incredible mental strength he's got the ability to reset okay so the thing is the thing is you need to ask yourself this question you can control out 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 of circumstances but when it comes to controlling yourself there is no strength that you have inside of you to control your 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 anger or whatever emotions that you have inside of it because you know why your strength is really really small and paul's prayer is that you should be strengthened with might where in your in a man so that's that's a question look at another place second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 we do not lose heart i mean this is becoming more and more uh, real to me in my life so we do not lose heart second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 onwards so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away i like that word no it is not perishing wasting away now you look i mean looking myself in the mirror uh, it is very very true now okay outer self is wasting away but look at what he says but our inner man or your inner self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison you know the focus of again apostle paul is what not his outer self which is going to be which is perishing but your inner self is being renewed it is growing younger and younger by the day and that is what i believe in my life even as i grow younger and younger i believe with all of my heart and i speak to the, speak to myself i will be sharper in my mind even though my outer body is perishing my mind will be sharper my spiritual faculties will be sharper and i'll be able to discern more into the spiritual realm than i was when i was young that is what i believe for myself so he says the focus is how strong is my inner man again second corinthians chapter th- uh, 3 verse 16 uh, but when one turns to the lord the veil is removed the not now the lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of god are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory what is happening he's saying my inner man is being transformed from one degree of glory to another meaning the weight of my inner man is increasing the strength of the inner man is increasing day by day this is what is his his uh um uh sick testimony about himself is now look at what it says in colossians chapter 1 verse 27 what about the inner man has to be strengthened or rather who in the inner man has to be strengthened okay colossians chapter 1 verse 27 everybody should know this verse by by heart by name by now to them god chose to make known how great among the gentiles are the riches of the glory of his ministry of this of this mystery which is what christ in you the hope of glory who should be strong inside of you christ has to be strong that is 
what the inner man is. It is Christ in us who has to be strengthened. He has to grow. He has to grow stronger. He just doesn't have to, he should not just remain a baby. He should grow up to be a young man. He should grow up to be a father and he should grow up to, into be, into be a soldier who will fight for, uh, fight the powers of darkness. So we need to focus on the inner man. How strong is your inner man? So let us look at, um, the importance of the inner man first. What should, why? Why is this important? What is the importance of inner man? Let us look at Jesus' own words. Okay. Let, don't have to turn your Bibles. Listen to me carefully. Give me your undivided attention. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You see? Outside there, they will say, Lord, Lord, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do not men gather Grapes from, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or fricks from thistles? Even so, every tree which bears good fruit, every good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit, a good tree cannot bear good fruit, a bad tree cannot bear bad fruit by the fruits you shall know them. So what is in in a man? They are inner, inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They have outwardly, they look like sheeps, but sheep, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Somebody said, no, how do I distinguish a sheep from a go, from a wolf? Wait till lunchtime. One will look for biryani. See, sheep will look for something something else. Wait till lunchtime. Okay. Another 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 very interesting uh, uh, verse from Matthew chapter fifteen. This is again from Jesus' own words. Matthew chapter fifteen. How important is the inner man to for Jesus? When the scribes and Pharisees who were with from him uh, who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And you know, look at what Jesus says. Hypocrites, verse 7. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near me, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is, what is, what is the heart? It is far from me. Their heart is not close to me. Their inner man, which is the heart, is not close to me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the what? The commandments of Men, you see that the inner man. Look at again, again it says in verse uh, uh, seventeen, verse sixteen, or rather verse fifteen. Peter answered and said to him, "Explain the parable to us. We didn't understand." And Jesus said, "Do you not understand that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated?" Very interesting. No, he knows the ele- entire elementary canal. Okay. Who, verse eighteen. Look at what it says. Verse eighteen. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the where? From the heart. And they defile a man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, jealousies, envies, everything. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands do not defile a man. You see again, Jesus' focus is on the inner man. Don't just look at the outward things over there. These guys are always worried about outward things. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 23 verse 27. Somebody can read that. Luke's Gospel chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew 23, 27. Not Luke, Matthew 23, 27. Matthew 23, 27. Who undo you? Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you are like white sepulchers or whitewashed tombs, okay? View indeed appear beautiful outward. You are within full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Okay, by the way, the only ancient wonder which is still existing in the planet Earth is the only ancient wonder 
there are seven ancient wonders of the world hanging gardens of babylon etc etc temple of diana at ephesus etc and there is only one ancient wonder which is still existing on earth and what is that ancient wonder pyramid of egypt what is it it's a tomb so you say oh, this is wonderful what is there inside bones there is one wonder in india also it is called what taj mahal what is it look so look it looks so beautiful inside bones uncleanness dead man's bones that's what he's saying outwardly you look so beautiful but inwardly you are stinking kampu kodutundi in other words dead man's bones you are like open tombs see that is jesus's own words look at what he says in luke's gospel chapter 11 and he spoke to certain pharisees asked uh, uh, he, as he spoke a certain pharisee asked him to dine with him so he went in and sat down to eat luke's gospel chapter 11 okay verse 37 and when the pharisee saw it he marvelled that he did not wash with before dinner i mean he was so concerned about washing chetulu kadukkolenu and uh, you know just uh, sister elsa's famous dirt won't hurt that's what jesus said i made dirt it's not going to hurt me so he started eating then the lord said to him now you pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean but your what inward part is full of greed and wickedness you see that inward part what is god looking at is looking at the inward part and the final thing this is all old testament look at look at one verse in first samuel chapter 16 so it was when they came this is first uh, samuel chapter 16 verse 6 onwards so it was when they came this is when samuel is going we know this was very well but let's just read it in this context today so it was when they came they looked at eliab and said surely the lord's anointed is before me who said this samuel said this but the lord said to samuel do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because i have refused him for the lord does not see as man sees for the lord looks at the outward appearance but the i mean so the man looks at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart so you see that that is the focus of god where is the focus of god in the heart inner man so we let us examine our inner man okay examine atlante manam we are going to a doctor now he is doing a uh, ct scan and all kind of scans okay uh, dr david will say brother which just just do it do it now let us be sure let's just do a scan let us do it okay don't be don't take chances uh, like uh, emmanuel abigail had some stomach ache he said do us do a scan go and do a scan why should we be uh, why should we uh, guess and we had done a scan and then a lot of things came out so you need to understand so just do a scan let us do a scan today how do we know our focus is not on the inner man but on the outer man okay god's focus is where inner man so first thing what is important to god should be important to us what is important to god not the outward man but the inward man so how do i check for myself whether i am giving importance to the outward appearance or the reality which is inside like for example you need to understand very very important outwardly everything might look very tasty but your inward parts only rely upon truth okay they don't care as to how nice they look and how good they taste but your inward inward part will always they need truth okay so you need to understand that so let us look at this how do you know whether my inner man is important to me or my outward man is important to me so let us look at this first samuel chapter 
now the word of the lord came to samuel saying this is we know this very well so from this i'm just trying to look look at some some uh, lessons okay as to how do i know whether my inward man is important to me or my outward man is important to me now the word of the lord came to samuel saying i greatly regret that i have set up saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments chapter 15 verse 10 onwards first samuel chapter 15 verse 10 onwards now the word of the lord came to samuel saying i greatly regret that i have set up saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments and it grieved samuel and he cried out to the lord all night he had an all night prayer that day okay so when samuel rose rose early in the morning i mean he rose early in the morning means means he did not sleep last night that's that's the whole idea okay so when samuel rose early in the morning to meet saul it was told samuel saying saul went to carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone around passed by and gone down to gilgal now by the way what is gilgal gilgal is a place of separation it was the place where israel when they crossed the jordan they were all not circumcised so god asked joshua to make flint knives and circumcise all the generation which were not which were wandering in the wilderness so there was that place was called the place of gilgal and where they were circumcised so place of separation so this guy goes to the place of separation ironically then samuel went to saul and saul said to him blessed are you of the lord i have performed the commandment of the lord but samuel said what then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which i hear the first question for to ask myself is how do i know whether my inner man is important to me or my outer man is important to me first question i ask is do i ignore obvious signs of disobedience and rebellion i obeyed then what does samuel say what am i hearing i obeyed what am i hearing you know uh, sometime back one brother was telling in my, telling me in my church in the church no he was saying uh, ana um, when in my office when a hindu or a girl or a muslim girl i mean or a christian girl we just take his giving a comparison a hindu girl and a christian girl when a hindu girl dresses and she dresses you know very skimpy dress she wears when i look at her i still don't see rebellion in her eyes i still see ignorance but when i see a christian girl wearing something very skimpy one of the things that i look at her and i say there is a rebellion in her face i can see i can sense it it's obvious it's obvious to me see there are some signs in our lives god shows us those signs for example how do i know for me the inner man is important or the outer man is important first thing go to romans chapter 8 look at what it says in romans chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death but the but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace in other words whenever you set the mind on the on the flesh there is death to spiritual things in other words how do i know whether the inner man is important to me or not how is my appetite for spiritual things first thing how do i check myself when i get up in the morning what is the first thought that comes into my mind spending time with god is important to me or not 
That is the reason why Tortosa says, show me the condition of your Bible and, and show me the condition of your hymn book. I will tell you the condition of your soul. And you know what he says? I mean, Leonard Ravenil, no? He says, first thing I get up in the morning, I go on my knees, sing hymns to my God in an off key. No key for him. It's amazing. How, how is it? Do you sing songs to God? You know, I remember my grand, my grand, grand, grandfather used to live with us before he passed away. For a few years, he lived with us. Early in the morning, by 4 o'clock, they are up. 4, 4.30, they are up in the morning. And they are praying and singing, both husband and wife. That, start, that starts off, no? Yehovah either These are the two songs they will sing. Every day in the morning, they will pray and they will sing. And I asked myself this question. You ask, all of you ask yourself this question. The first thing you get up in the morning, what do you hunger for? Coffee or the Bible? I mean, I'm not saying that you should not have coffee. If coffee is causing you to concentrate on the Bible, it's great. That's what I do too. I need my coffee too. But you see, that's very important. How is your hunger for spiritual things? If you lost your appetite, it is an obvious sign of rebellion. It's obvious. Are I'm not, I'm not interested now. I don't feel like reading it. You know, a lot of, lot of us, we don't feel like reading it, but we need gear shifts. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Somebody can read it, please. I think four or five gears are there in that. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Somebody can read it for me. Quickly. Do not fear. Ah, gear number one. I am with you. Okay. So, uh, don't be anxious. I am your God. I am your God, right? Yeah, it says so gear number two. And then? I will strengthen you. I will help you. Gear number three. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous gear number four. And then? And, and then, yeah, okay. Four gears and then you are in cruise control. Get, get up in the morning and say, Lord, I don't have, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right. Ask yourself, obvious signs of rebellion. Look at some, some interesting people, no? Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 14. Don't turn, the, don't the, turn this. This is Genesis chapter 14 verse 16. After Abraham rescues Lot. This is says, so he brought back all the goods and he also brought back his brother Lot and his goods. What happened to Lot? He forsook his I mean, he left his, uh, left his uh, uncle and he went and lived in Sodom. You know what the word Sodom means? Sodom means burning. And who was the king of Sodom? Bera. You know what the word of Bera means? Son of evil. You know what Gomorrah means? Submerged. Submerged. You know what's the, who's the, who's the king of uh, uh, Gomorrah? Birsha. You know what Birsha means? Full of iniquity. So you have Sodom, which means burning. Gomorrah means Submerged. What is submerging and burning a sign of? What is what was submerged first? The whole world was submerged under water, right? What is its sign of? Judgment. Who is the king of that submerged place? His name is iniquity. Who is the king of uh, Sodom, which is burning? Burning is also a sign of judgment, right? Who is the king of uh, king of Sodom? His name is Bera. What does Bera mean? Son of evil. And what are you doing? You are right under Sodom and Gomorrah. You are Having kings called Bera and Birsha, one fellow means son of evil, the other fellow means son of iniquity. And what are you doing there? You are prospering 
you got captured, but you still don't realize the signs of rebellion. You know what you do? You go straight back to Sodom. Now you are not only just prospering in Sodom, now you become a politician, you run for politics, you run for office, now you become one guy who is at the gates of Sodom. Can you believe that? You are ignoring obvious signs of rebellion. You have lost all appetite for God. There is no appetite for God at all in your heart now. Man, I get so scared about that. I just can't imagine. I could be in the ministry. I could be preaching the word of God. But slowly, slowly, I could lose the appetite for the word of God. I could lose the appetite for prayer. I could lose the appetite for fellowship. I could lose the appetite for ministry. If I don't constantly guard my heart. I mean, I, I, I look at my Lord. Lord, I don't feel like reading today. Lord, just help me, Lord. My God, am I losing the appetite, Lord? Am I getting bored of the Bible, Lord? Am I becoming familiar with the Word of God, Lord? Boy, no, 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 Lord. No, this is an obvious sign. Don't ignore obvious signs of rebellion in our life. The signs are there. Symptoms are there. Don't ignore them. Okay, then. What is the second second sign of uh, losing your uh, losing your I mean focus losing your focus on the inner man to the outer man? You know what, uh, what Saul said? They have brought it. He says, "Do I take the second question? Do I take responsibility for my action, or do I point fingers at others? Do I take responsibility for my action? Why did why is your life such a mess? Because my friend did it. Why did you get uh, addicted to this substance? Because my friends caused me to sin. That is the reason why the first proverb it says, My son, when sinners entice you, do not consent. First proverb. This fellow is going to go into the world when sinners entice you, do not consent. In other words, I am not going to point fingers at others. I will take responsibility. What does Paul say? Saul say, you know, uh, it's too much. See, this is what we call as, you know, escaping reality. Sin is so deceitful that it is so deceitful that you know that you are deceived, getting deceived, but you still will go with go with the flow. You're, you know that you are getting deceived, but you will still go with the flow. I'll tell you. Give you an, give you an example. I'll tell you. Like, it's like this, no? For example, there is a father who has a son. Hmm? Fifteen people in the class will say, "Your son is a very mischievous fellow." Okay. Teacher will say, "Talakanopi." Class teacher will say talakanopi, math teacher will say talakanopi, aya will say talakanopi. Headache, in other words. Every, all the friends will say talakanopi and the father has been summoned to the school and the principal says, Baba, your son, please, can you counsel him? You know what the son, father will say? No, 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 no. They're all jealous about my son. They will immediately, because you know what? It is very traumatic for them to accept errors in their own heart. It's very traumatic. One man of God says this. He says, very interesting, it's, it's, I, I like this, I like what he says. No, He says, whenever you're counseling somebody, before you say one bad thing about him, say five good things about him. That is the reason why, that is exactly what Jesus is a principle. He looks at Ephesus and he says, ah, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. Six or seven good things he will say, ah, now I have something against you. But I, when I was growing up in the church, confronting right in the First, or you just know this is wrong in your life. You know what God taught me? The best, the worst thing you can do is to confront people right away without telling anything good about them. You know why? When you tell something bad about people, we all know that intrinsically when we fell, when Adam fell, he knew there was something wrong inside. So what did he do? He covered himself. Right? He covered himself. We all cover ourselves. 
and when we say something bad something somebody says something bad about us we get really insecure or we get really upset because we already know something is bad with us and you know what happens it becomes really traumatic for us to actually accept the truth about ourselves so what do we do we point fingers at others so easy no why are why are you in such a mess my parents are a big problem my brothers are a big problem i mean that's exactly what joseph could have said why are you why are you my father my mother my father married twice things would have been so easy when he had only one wife no nothing of that sort you see it's so important so easy for so question is are you pointing fingers at others when you are confronted by error in your life okay very difficult no for parents to accept something bad bad about their children me kudretla yesundi ah no i did not bring out my children like that what are you talking about they immediately become so defensive instead of act now, on the other hand parents go the other extreme also they'll start beating the children right in front of the uh, front of the uh, that is that is the indian way they will take the stick and go and beat them right there in the front in front of the office that's not what you that's not what you're supposed to do i mean in india they don't even hesitate to i mean hesitate to the kill the kill the children it's all because it's a shame culture right we are all ashamed we don't want uh, people in our households to get a bring a bad name to the what to the family so we are we are a very shame culture so the question is whenever somebody points at your errors do you become defensive and start pointing fingers at others or do you really go for a self examination that is a second what do you say symptom or the way to see whether your focus is the outward man or the inward man so okay then next one that is the reason why isaiah 40, 58 verse 9 will say then you shall call and the lord 58 verse 9 then you shall call the lord will answer you answer your cry and he will say here i am if you take away from you the yoke the pointing of the fingers and the speaking of wickedness you see that don't point fingers god says see when you come to god god has already accepted you as your daughter and uh, as his daughter and son so there's nothing like don't have to be like a prodigal son Lord, father please make me a servant first after i serve you for several days then you can accept me no 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 you are already my son so don't worry about that he has already accepted you okay then first th- third thing do i try to hide my disobedience in a lot of religious activity or by repenting or do i repent okay look look at what it says what did, what did he, what did he do he brought all the offerings so that i can give what a sacrifice to god god does not need sacrifice what does psalm 40 say burnt offering and sacrifices you did not desire but a body you prepared for me i delight to do what i delight to do your will oh god see the third third thing third thing do i try to hide my disobedience in religious activity rather than repenting verse 23 of matthew chapter 23 what to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected weightier matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness these you ought to have done without re- re- neglecting the others in other words don't try to hide your disobedience by giving offerings okay don't try to hide your disobedience by giving that is the reason why one of the standard announcements in our churches and we believe in that if your heart is not right with god don't put your offering if your heart is not right with man don't put your offering but because god wants your 
heart first and then whatever you have to give to him. Okay, so that's, that is the second, so that is the fourth question. And, and the third question, the fourth question, am I sensitive to sin more today than I was yesterday? Like, you know, what did he say? Oh, it's only a small thing. No, I obeyed the commandment of the Lord, but only in a small thing. I just brought Agag, that's all. I obeyed. Small. You know, I was listening to a story of this uh, young man who was in jail. Why was he in jail? He was in jail because he was guilty of manslaughter. He was driving in the car, and what happened in the this was this was this happened in the U.S. He was driving in the car, and he drove. He was driving very fast, and there was this young kid who just crossed by the street. And this was a I think it was in the it was not in the highways. It was in those you know residential areas, right? In the U.S., you have to be very careful. You should not honk. Whenever you see a four lane, you stop there. You turn to the left, turn to the right, turn ahead, and go slow. You give a lot of importance to pedestrians. But this fellow was driving very, very, very fast in this residential area and there was suddenly one small boy came, he slammed, rammed into the guy, it was a hit and run, the guy died on the spot. But you know what he did? He looked to the left, he looked to the right and he ran away. But the police finally caught him and they put him in prison. And he was in prison for a, for a long time. And they asked, you know, they were, he was being interviewed and he said, you know what? One day when I was a small boy, there was, my dad had a gold watch. I went into his room and that gold watch, I took it and I started playing with it and it fell. And the gold watch broke. What did I do? I looked to the left, I looked to the right and I hid it. My dad came to know that it has been broken so he summoned the entire family and started asking who did this and nobody responded including me. And you know what he said? That day was the day when I began to hide and that became a part of my character. And I'm, I'm in the prison because that first day when God asked me to open up and confess, I did not confess. And the same pattern continued, continued, continued and it has become a part of my character. You know what it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4? You don't have to turn there. It says whenever you see, don't first of all, avoid it. Don't pass by it. Turn away from it and pass away. In other words, when you see the sin for the very first time, say no. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. If you, if you don't say no for the first time, it will become easier for you to say no, difficult to say no the second time, and after a while it becomes, it becomes a part of your character. It is a little, little, little things in your life which has become a part of your character. Okay. So little, little sins, the little foxes, don't neglect them. Okay, so first thing, what are, what are the four things I said? First thing I said is what? Have I lost the appetite for spiritual things? Second, I said what? What is the second one? If somebody points truth, do I get traumatized? <laughs> or do I really accept it? Third, do I hide my disobedience by doing a lot of religious activity? Or fourth, am I more sensitive to sin today than as I was yesterday? And five, how genuine is my confession when I'm caught? Numbers 32, 23. Numbers 32, 23. It's easy to remember. 32, 23. It's a palindrome. 3, 2, 2, 3. Surely your sin will find you out. Surely your sin will find you out. Okay, so don't try to hide your sin. How is your confession? And lastly, who is your God? 
हुज योर गॉड इज यू आर यू द गॉड और द पीपल गॉड और जीजस इज गॉड आई टेल यू वाई फर्स्ट सैमल चैप्टर फिफ्टीन वर्स ट्वेंटी फोर लुक एट द कन्फेशन ऑफ द ग्रेट मैन सॉल देन सॉल सेट टू सैम्यूल आई हैव सिंड फॉर आई हैव ट्रांसक्रेस द कमांडमेंट ऑफ द लॉर्ड and your words because i feared the people and obeyed their voice now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that i may worship the lord before whom so who is there who is saul's god people people is saul's god wale em anukuntaru john 544 please somebody can read it john's gospel chapter 5 verse 44 john's gospel chapter 5 verse 44 what it what does it say how can you believe mhm mhm kya baat hai there is only one god and his opinion matters that word glory is actually uh, comes from the greek word doxa which means opinion okay paradox you know what paradox is right paradox means contrary opinion heterodox means same opinion Okay, heterodox means uh, two opinions. Orthodox means very old opinion, old fashion. Okay, that is conservatives. Paradox, orthodox, heterodox. This is what he's talking about. What is whose opinion matters to you? That's that's what, that's what he says. How can you believe when you receive opinions from one another, but you don't opi- have opinion from only one God? There is only one God. Who is that one God? Jesus Himself. turn with me to one psalm 136 verses 1 2 and 3 read that please psalm 136 verses 1 2 and 3 it's a very very interesting psalm very very interesting yeah read it don't be ashamed psalm 136 verses 1 2 and 3 yes oh give thanks unto the lord for his for he is good if his mercy endureth for how many of you know this psalm my children know it by heart all our gtlc children know it by heart yeah read on Ah, oh, give thanks unto the God of all gods, for His mercy endureth for a third one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of all lords. Can you imagine? That is the reason why. What does Thomas say? Unless I put my finger in His hands and in His side, I will not believe. And finally, when Jesus said, appeared to him, what did he, what did he say? What did he confess? My my lord and my god my lord and my god so who's your god is your wife your god your children i mean lot of families children are god what is what do you mean by children i don't want to oh, uh, you know uh, irritate them no what will they think poor fellows you know i i remember somebody said this no uh, i should i don't hey when we were children we also did the same thing don't have to remember what you were as a teenager don't have to admonish your teenager son remember how you were as a teenager son i get really upset when people say that just imagine okay i had i had polio because my parents didn't give me polio polio drops i mean that, that almost happened to me okay by the way you should you can ask my parents uh, they were so upset because they give all kinds of pitchcar uh, sorry whatever shots and and uh, the doctors diagnosed saying that i had polio not uh, no polio you know you see this no very strong human being you know but see, just imagine i have polio now we'll say 
when i was a child i had polio i will not give my child vaccination let her also have polio what will you tell me what will you call me evil father you will call me an evil father you see this is what i don't want to you know offend my son i don't want to offend my daughter i don't want to offend my church pastor will say i don't want to offend my church no i was reading this book uh, recently um very interesting uh, book no uh, uh this guy is in the on the bed early in the on sunday morning and he is not getting up and the mother comes and wakes him up like this get up get up get up get up time to go to church the guy gets up and he says i don't feel like coming to church mom mother says come on how can you say that come on get up get up get up get up and he gets up and he says mom give me one reason as to why i should come to church okay i'll give you three reasons reason number 1 I am your mother. I told you, and therefore you have to obey me. Come to church first. Reason number two: You are forty years old. There should be some kind of a discipline in your life, spiritual discipline. Come to church. Third reason: You are the pastor of the church. <laughs> One reason: More people hate me. Today I got a, I got a very nice uh, uh, in in a pastors conference. Uh, website no we uh, we have a whatsapp group pastors conference whatsapp group so one pastor he posted something very interesting no a pastor's life look at how how it looks like and i just wanted to show you it's very funny actually pastors meeting so just give me let me look at let me show you this okay there's one guy with sword on his he's got a sword on his head he's got a sword on his back back part of the head another sword here another arrow here another knife here another knife in his heart okay it's like this okay almost okay and uh, he's got fake friends so, so all those swords first is friend zone second is disappointments third is stress fourth is confusion fifth is betrayal another thing is expectations another thing is frustrations another thing is heartbreak another thing loneliness another thing option another thing um, opinion another thing fake 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 friends who was this pastor's life and what is he saying i'm okay <laughs> i'm okay see no 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 strength you know the so 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 bogged down okay let let us let us let us look at this let, look at this now what a contrast david is now i was just looking at this what a contrast david is look at what it says behold psalm 51 verses 5 and 6 look at what it says you can go and mark it in your bible behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me behold you desire truth where in the inward parts and in the hidden part you make me to know what what is important to you god my inner man is important to you psalm 32 that is the reason why look at his confession Blessed is the, blessed is he everybody knows this right blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in his in whose spirit there is no deceit or guile verse 3 when i kept silent my bones grew cold grew old through my groaning all the day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my vitality was turned into the drought of summer sela pause there okay think about it do you feel like that no wonder david felt it you know and then verse 5 i acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity i did not hide i said i will confess my transgression to the lord and you forgive the iniquity of my sin and after that again selah pause 
Verse 6. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not come near him. Verse 7. You are my... Ah, Lord, I don't want to hide any other place. I want to hide in you. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. You are my hiding place. I don't want to hide my sin. I want to hide my sin in you. Okay. So when you confess your sins to the Lord, what does he do? He covers your sin completely as if you have not sinned at all in your entire life. That is what he does. And what, that's what David is looking for. What a contrast David is. David is to Saul. Saul is a man who is always concerned about his outward appearance. But David was a man. Lord, it doesn't matter how many good things people think about me. But what you think about me matters a lot. And you are a man who sees at my inner man and not my outward appearance. Okay? So that is the importance of the inner man. First one, what did I want? What did I want to look at us? The importance of the inner man. Second, I want to look at is how do I take care of my inner man? That is very important. How do I? Take care of my inner man. So three things I want to point out as to how does one take care of, how does one takes care of his inner man. Okay. Let us read from Ephesians chapter 3 now. Carefully. Okay. Verse 14 onwards. You can mark it in your Bibles. Okay. Three things as to how one can take care of his inner man. Three ways as to how one can take care of his inner man. Very, very important. Follow this very carefully. If inner man is important to you, this is a Bible study. So be focused and follow this very carefully. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 onwards. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened. You know, my God shall supply your needs according to the riches of his glory. We all like that verse. But what about this verse? According to the riches of his glory, what is he going to supply us with? He is going to be supply us with strength, with power, through his spirit, where? In the inner man. So that you may dwell in your hearts through faith, etc. So the first thing, how do I take care of the inner man? I strengthen my inner man. How do I take care of it? I strengthen my inner man. So how do I strengthen my inner man? Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 onwards. Turn there to Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 to 9. Okay. How do I strengthen my inner man? Very, very controversial but you have to follow this. Okay, this is there in the Bible. So please follow. Okay. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 onwards. Remember your who? Ah, those who have rule over you. Remember those, your elders or leaders in other translations. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. And then verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange doctrines or teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by what? By grace, not by food in other translations, which have not benefited those who devoted themselves to them. In other words, don't be devoted to food. I'll tell you how people are devoted to food. Either they don't eat or they eat too much. Both are de- devoted. One, one person will say, don't eat. Exercise. Eat limited. Eat protein in the morning, this much. All, eat vegetables and fruits. Don't eat too much of oil. Oh, always concerned about what kind of a healthy food I'm having every day. Full concentration, full on. Huh? That, is, that is what we call as uh, uh, gym masters, no? How do I get the six pack, etc.? So your diet is very important to you. 
how not to eat and how much to eat. Other people, they are only eating, 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 eating. They have a big time eating disorder. And somebody said this, no? The richer the country, the badder the eating disorder. The richer the society, you know, the maximum number of obese people, you know where they are? In the United States. Can you imagine? The richest country has the maximum obese people. What an irony. And the richest country also has the most number of people are conscious about, conscious about the figure. Who will starve because I don't, I want to have a good figure. Eating disorder. What are they saying? What are they concerned about? They're concerned about their outer man. Somebody is laughing. I don't know why. Dunga? You see, they're so concerned about their outward appearance. But you know what he says? A heart should be strengthened by what? By grace. By grace. And how do we, how do you appropriate grace in our life? Titus chapter 2, we know that, right? The grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldliness. And to live your lives which is, which without blameless and looking for the appearance of Jesus Christ. So grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. What is important? To strengthen my heart with grace. The word of God. First Peter chapter 5. Look at how it says in First Peter chapter 5. How to strengthen yourself with grace. Likewise, you who are younger. How many younger over here? Okay, younger. Okay. Those who, okay. Subject yourself to the elders. Clothe yourselves with all of you with humility toward one another. Why? God, you can fill up, fill up the blank. Resist the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Now the, one of the biggest you know, concerns people have when, they, when we talk about submission is what if my, if my authority figure abuses me? Right? Uh, I was talking to Pastor Eric the other day. He said, Pastor, how do I teach the people? You know, a lot of people have this inhibitions. Whenever the word submission comes, they're all cringe. Because they have a history. They come from you know, churches where they've been manipulated and been threatened, etc., etc., etc. Why do they cringe? You know, I, I told him, uh, Eric, from my own life, I told him, if your heart is right with God, if your heart is right with God, you don't have to fear any authority. Abusive or unabusive. Your heart is right with God. God will always protect you. You know what? David was under Saul. Right? Did he submit to him? Yes. Would he raise his hand against him? Never. Even when his authority was wrong, he would not touch God's anointed. Was he being taken advantage of? Yes, he was being taken advantage of. But did God protect him? Absolutely. And when even his authority died, he is screaming over Saul and Jonathan and he's saying, Oh, how come you did not be afraid when you raised your hand against God's anointed and he slaughters him? You know why? Because he never, ever, ever, ever raised his fingers against authority. And once, once what happened? He just cuts away the hem of the garment of Saul and his conscience is pricked. Can you imagine his conscience is pricked when he tears the hem of his garment and today we have people who expose their elders and don't, don't feel anything bad at all. There's no remorse at all. They don't have any convictions in their conscience. They don't prick, they're not pricked in their conscience. They expose their elders like, like Ham exposed the nakedness of his father. They're not scared at all. No wonder Ham was cursed. You see, it's very, very important for us to understand this. 
Why don't we have grace? Why are we not able to overcome sin? Why is there no spiritual breakthrough in our lives? Why is there, why in our lives there is always this rut? There is no revival in our hearts because one of the things is because we are not strengthened by grace in our heart. And you know why? One of the reasons we have not strengthened by grace in our heart is because we do not submit to elders. We are always scared. What will happen if these elders take advantage of us? Let them take advantage. Was Jesus not taken advantage of? They spat at him. You know what God did? God vindicated him. And he had every opportunity. If you are really the son of man, come down from the cross and we will believe. He could have come down. But for their sake, he endured every kind of evil. How about you and me? Today people expose elders. They, I was One day I was walking on my corridor. I was uh, discussing, I was in my university sometime back. Uh, I was having a discussion with my colleague and two of my students passed by. They looked at the robotics lab and they looked at my boss and they passed by and they, com- they, they said something nasty about my boss and they started laughing and went away and I looked at them and I knew these two fellows next day in the class. I called those two fellows, come here, get up. You know my robotics lab? He said, <laughs> robotics lab. It is one of the top robotics lab in the country. It is number one. If not the best, it is one of the best robotics lab in the country. Number one in terms of publications. Do you know how hard my professor worked to establish that lab? No. You have any clue what he has gone through to establish that lab? How dare you pass those comments and have with impunity and you think you will get away with it? They started shaking like that. How dare. This was, and and, and I see that, no? People expose eldership. And there's no conviction in their conscience. No wonder they're not strong. They are weak in the spiritual man. So strengthen your inner man. How? By the grace of God. Submit. It is not a bad word. And if God says, you know what, you're under abusive eldership, you know what God will do? God will say, Vijay, it's time to move out. Move out. Nothing will happen to you. God will protect you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will raise you up and exalt you. Don't be anxious. Don't become so anxious about there also. Human beings. Okay. Let's move on. So first thing, strengthen your inner man. So another, so how do I know that I'm strong in the inner man? How do I know? My inner man is strong. So the answer is given in Ephesians chapter 3 itself. Look at the next next verse. So that you may be strengthened in the inner man. And the next word will say, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Who may dwell in your hearts? By faith. How? Who may dwell in your hearts? That Christ may dwell. So be strengthened in the inner man. And how do I know that I'm strong in the inner man? Who's dwelling in my heart? Let me tell you. Is Jesus comfortable to dwell in your heart? Is he comfortable? Now, Justin and I, whenever we do family prayer, one of the prayers we say is, Lord, let this be the home where your presence can dwell comfortably. You don't have to turn there. Let me read this. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1 onwards. And the Lord appeared to him. Who's this? Who's this? Appeared to whom? Abraham. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat down at the, at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, how many men? Three men. 
in front of him. When he saw, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the earth and he said, Oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourself under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. Then, you know what they said? Surely do as you have said. I am comfortable, Abraham. I am comfortable. I am not only comfortable. Give me a food. Give me a meal. I am going to eat it too. Can you imagine? Abraham and Sarah made a meal before the incarnation to be Jesus. What a tremendous blessing. What a tremendous blessing. Only one man in the entire old covenant had the privilege to feed Jesus. Only one man. God said, you know what? I am comfortable. You are my friend Abraham. I know. You and Sarah, godly couple. I can comfortably dwell in your house. Now look at the next verse. Chapter 18, verse 22. So the men turned from there towards where? Sodom. And Abraham stood before the Lord. How many people went to Sodom? Who, who stayed back? Jesus stayed back. No, this is found in Genesis chapter 19. The two angels came to, came to Sodom in the evening. That means who, who didn't go with who didn't go with the angels? Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying? I am not comfortable to dwell with Lot. Please, I don't want to dwell with Lot. I am not comfortable there at all. He may be a righteous man, but there in that house is a house of iniquity. That place is a place of iniquity. He is under the, under the king whose name is iniquity. I, do, I am not comfortable to dwell in that house at all. Please, spare me. Can you imagine? Oh, please spare me. Lot, please, I don't want to be there. Please, I don't want to come to your house. It may be a beautiful house. It might be a mansion of several buildings. Lord, you do not know my guest room. It's got a jacuzzi. I don't want to come there. I don't want to dwell there. It's amazing how uh, the Proverbs will use this. No, It is better to dwell in the corner of the rooftop than to dwell with a uh, henpecked, I mean, sorry, a nagging wife. Oh, remarkable. It is better to be in the wilderness. First from the, from the top of the rooftop, he ran away to the wilderness. It is better to be in the wilderness than to dwell in the house, house of a wife who is... Now, this is a picture of Christ and the church. Christ is our husband. Do we keep on nagging, 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 nagging? I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. You don't love me, you don't love me, you don't love me. Jesus will run to the rooftop and stay there. Keep on nagging, 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 nagging. Why don't you get me this? Why don't you get me that? Nothing is there in the home. He will run to the wilderness. I'm not comfortable at all. Question. Is God comfortable in your home, in your heart? Question. See, only Christ in us can overcome sin. Only Christ in us can overcome the flesh. Only Christ in us can overcome the devil. Only Christ in us can overcome the world. And if we have no strength, it's because Christ is not there inside of us. That is the reason why 2 Corinthians chapter 13, like like Brother Cyril was saying, examine yourself, test yourself, who's inside of you? Christ is inside of you. Otherwise, you are what? Reprobates. Reprobates. Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five. Revelation three, verse 15, 15 onwards. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would to that you were either cold or hot. So because you are either you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of the mouth. And where is Jesus here? Where is he? Outside. Not comfortable at all. In most churches, the spirit of God has left them, and they don't even know it. Like Samson. So, how do I know that my inner man is strong? Who is dwelling inside me? Sorry, who is dwelling inside of me? Is 
Christ dwelling inside my heart. Easy, comfortable. Second way. So how do I know that my inner man is strengthened? Verse 3. So that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That means there is an increase of knowledge of God and you are able to get along with your brothers and sisters. Inner man needs company of believers. It cannot just grow on its own. How can somebody point your faults? Your self cannot point your faults. Your inner self cannot point your own faults. Who can point your faults? Somebody who is outside of you can point your faults, right? This is what Spurgeon said. We must learn our alphabet at the Dame School of Repentance and Faith and study the syntax of Christian holiness at the Grammar School of Experience before we can enter the University of Full Assurance and obtain a fellowship among those who comprehend the science of Christ crucified. And he goes on to say, as a secular scholar carries in his pocket a small edition of his favorite classic, so do we carry Christ in our hearts? Our edition of the Christ in our heart? What if I say we bear about with us the heart edition of the book of the cross? There is first edition, second edition, third edition, fourth edition, fifth edition, there is heart edition. Do I carry him in my heart? The heart edition of the book of the cross. So, inner man has to be strengthened. How do I know my inner man is strength, strong if Christ is dwelling inside of my heart? If he's comfortable there or not? Then, first thing I should do is to strengthen the inner man. Second thing I should do is guard the inner man. What should I do? Guard the inner man. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Somebody read it quickly. Everybody should know this. Yeah, 4.23. Keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. Ah, for out of it springs the issue of life. Now look at this. What should I do? I should en- enable Christ to grow and he has to be strong. Then I also have to guard my heart so that who, who should not leave? Christ should not leave. So Christ, and I cannot just put a, put a, a barricade around my heart and say, God, don't leave. That is not the way. The only way I can make Christ not leave is by guarding my heart. What does guarding my heart mean? Okay? Guarding my heart means the presence of Christ should not leave me. Okay? Who should not leave me? The presence of Christ should not leave me. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. Somebody can read it quick, quickly, quickly, please. John's Gospel chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. I will pray the Father. I He will give you another comforter or the Parakletos, yes. That he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Uh, because he doesn't see him. I will. Uh, uh, you know him and I, I, I will be. Okay, and then, go, and then goes on. Yeah, For he will dwell with you and he will be. In you, and in verse 18, read it please. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come, look at this. I will send whom? Holy Spirit. I will come back to you. So how how is Jesus going to live in our hearts? Through the Spirit. Simple. I will not leave you. 
I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Comforter. So the only way Jesus will will enter in, in our, will be in our heart is by the Holy Spirit. Now, very think about it. No, that is the reason why Ephesians says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." Other translations will say, in Colossians will say, "Let the Word of Christ richly dwell in you, singing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." Okay. Now he says, "The only way to guard the inner man is to guard the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life." So the three things we should not do. How do I guard the Spirit? First thing, don't grieve the Spirit. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty. Somebody read it, and I will read it in another translation. Okay. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And do not, whereby you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Now, follow this carefully. For, follow this carefully. This is the message Bible. Eugene Peterson's message Bible. Look at what it says. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. What does he say? We know there is a song that we, sang, we used to sing when we were small. Now, when we were younger. When we were in our teenage. Don't break my heart. My, my achy breaky heart. This is, this is Jesus singing the, his version of don't break my heart. Okay. Look at what it says. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. Look at it says. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break from with all cutting, backbiting, profane talking. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another, ask quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Don't break his heart. Don't break his heart. Don't break. That means God's heart is broken so many times. Then, so, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Second, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19. Quench not the, sorry, 5, 19, 20 and 21, 22, okay, yeah. Quench not the spirit, don't, don't despise prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. And you know what it says in the message translation, okay, the same, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 19 20, don't suppress the spirit, don't stifle those who have the word from God. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything. Keep only what is good. Throw out everything tainted with evil. That is how you don't quench the spirit. Finally, don't insult the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't insult the spirit. Look, look at Hebrews chapter 10, please. Chapter 20, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 to 31. 26 to 31. Read it, please. After having received the knowledge of the truth, if we keep on sinning, and then verse 28, mm-hmm. yes, yes, mm-hmm. he that despised Moses' Lord died without mercy under the, under two or three witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh huh. And, uh huh. It says, outrage the spirit of grace. Other translations will use the word insult the spirit of grace. He's very, very, very sensitive. Don't quench him. Don't grieve him. Don't 
insult him. Okay, we looked at it several times. Finally, the, the first strengthen your inner man. And how do I know my inner man is strong? Check if my if Christ is is there inside me or not. If Christ is there inside me or not, what should I do? Second, I should guard my inner man. How do I guard my inner man? By not quenching the spirit, not grieving the spirit, not insulting the spirit. Finally, third, exercise the inner man. What should I do? Exercise the inner man. Romans chapter 7 verse 22. Go there please. Romans chapter 7 verse 22. Just read verse 22. That's it. Oh, verse, yeah. 722? Yeah, 722. Uh-huh. I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Actually, uh, my translations will, will will say, I will delight in the law of the Lord in inner man. You see, uh, when you were a child, the only thing that you liked was milk. Only one taste bud. When you grew up, what happens? Your taste buds will increase. Okay. Somebody said something, no? When you exercise, when you exercise, those parts of your blood vessels which didn't have the flow of blood will open up and blood will start flowing through those things also. Okay. When you grow up, what happens is that you're able to appreciate different kinds of food. Okay. You're able to appreciate different kinds of food. You are able to delight. You are not only just able to say this is good, this is tasty, this is tasty, it's a little more baked, it's fried, it's burnt, whatever. You are able to distinguish different, different taste buds. You know what he's saying? You just don't just gulp the law of God. You delight in the law of God in a, in a man now. Look at what it says in Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Please read that, please. Yeah. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. Boy, what a tremendous, tremendous admonition. Meditate upon the word day and night. Delight in the law of God. Okay, and meditate. How do I make myself delight in the law of God? Psalm 16, verses 1, 2 and 3. Okay, actually 1, 2 and 3. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They are the excellent ones or the majestic ones. In whom is all my delight? Now, are you comfortable? Do you enjoy the company of your worldly friends? Or the company of your church friends? Now, think about it. Think about it. A lot of people, when I was to grow up, no? I was growing up as in the youth group. You know, my mother, some of my friends, Are I don't have any Christian friends, Ray. I have friends from the world. They are better some, some, so many times from the worldly friends. And I used to think, no, how, what an incredible paradox. Just imagine. Your worldly friends are comfortable with you. You are not comfortable with your church friends. What does it say about you? You call yourself a Christian. Who is there inside of you? Christ is there inside of you. And the Christ is in, inside of you. Is comfortable with your worldly friends. And the Christ is inside of you. Is not comfortable with your brothers in Christ. You know. When, if, what a paradox. No? That, that is the reason why. If I go and talk to my non-Christian friends. Any, now. Two, three minutes. After, the, after, the, after that the conversation ends. 
two three words only two three sentences how are you doing how is your wife how is your family after that no other topic to discuss no other topic to discuss they so we start talking about cricket because we can't talk about movies now we talk talk about cricket that's all we can talk about or the weather weather in vaisag is very very humid weather in hyderabad is also getting humid that's all that's all we can talk about we cannot discuss any other thing because there is no commonality between us now think about it how i really get scared now when i cannot or today is too much rain to how many how many times you keep on fellowship 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 for me fellowship is more important discuss with your when you start discussing god with your godly friends you know what happens your delight your taste buds will start increasing okay first exercise your inner man unfortunately the problem is many many believers are not at that level so what we have to do we have to socialize and or we have to come down to their level and we'll discuss milk only we'll discuss chocolate milk we'll discuss strawberry milk but we will never discuss the word the meat of the word hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 12 13 and 14 so four things three things we looked at first you have to strengthen the inner man second you have to guard the inner man third you have to exercise the inner man so that his delights will increase i'll tell you something otherwise word of god will become boring if your taste buds are not improving the word of god will become boring it's like this no palak every day after a while mohammed tasir but what if your mother puts palak in dal palak in uh, in uh, alu palak in uh, mutton what is happening palak with different, different your taste buds are expanding and you are able to delight in the law of god okay let's move on our is gone it's okay hebrews 5 was last verses and we are done five more minutes and we are done okay i have to finish this okay 5:11:12:13:14 about this we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers some men some others to teach you the elementary teachings like you are you need what milk and not solid food i have to discuss only strawberry milk with you nothing else can i, I can discuss okay so first so we 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 look at three three aspects first we, we need to strengthen in in a man then you have to guard the inner man fourth third thing we have to exercise the inner man finally fourth one decorate the inner man what is that decorate decorate him or in other words uh, send him to beauty parlor okay okay this is what we call decorating the inner man or read carefully okay this is only a principle please all the girls don't get offended here okay women don't get offended it's just a principle okay first peter chapter 3 i'm listen listen carefully this is the niv translation first peter chapter 3 verses 1 onwards wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands why does he use the word own husband not because don't misunderstand that in other words every wife has got a specific honor that is due to her husband and not to any other man there's a specific honor she has to show she has to show. she has to honor her father she has to honor her brother etc etc but when it comes to her husband she should have a specific honor for him that's what it says honor your own husbands let's let me read it completely now okay honor your own husbands and then uh if any of them do not believe the word that may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives 
your beauty should not should not come from their what from the outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes he is not saying that you should not go for hairstyle he is not saying that you should not go for jewelry he is not saying that that should not be the focus that's what he's trying to say here and then he says rather it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which in the sight of god is exceedingly precious for in this way holy women of the past put their hope in god and adorned themselves like who sarah you know why god was comfortable in sarah and abraham's home simply because sarah submitted to her husband it was a peaceful home you know what is talking about there is a decoration will come under submission okay look at the, what it says in uh, psalms 29 verse 1 and 2 please last word psalm 29 verses 1 and 2 ascribe to the lord you heavenly beings ascribe to the lord glory and strength ascribe to the lord the glory due to his name worship the lord in the beauty of holiness other translation could use the word the splendor of the holiness you know what it says in telugu decorate yourselves with beautiful garments and prostrate yourself before that's what it says in the rendering prashasthamaina aabharanamulu dharinchukoni yehovayan munda mundala saagila padudi decorate yourself with beautiful garment ornaments and stand prostrate before you final verse revelation chapter 3 verses 6 onwards then i heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of the rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for a lord god almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and the and the bride has made herself what ready okay fine linen bright and clean was given to her to wear and fine linen stands for what the righteous acts of the saints decorate your in a man so four things what did i say strengthen your in a man how do you know that your in a man is strong who's comfortable in your life Christ is covered. Second thing, guard your inner man. So, what should you guard? Guard the spirit in your life. Don't quench him. Don't grieve him. Don't insult him. Third, exercise your inner man. That means the more it grows, the more you will be able to appreciate God. Fourth thing, decorate your inner man, and this is how you get strengthened in the inner man, and that is how you know that your inner man is strong. You'll, you'll be able to resist the devil. You'll be able to resist the flesh. You'll be able to resist the flesh. Otherwise. your father to the enemy easy target yeah shall we pray father we just thank you father for this day thank you father for speaking to our hearts enable us to examine ourselves to see how strong the inner man is in our own lives enable us to see where our focus is in the outward things or in the inward man Thank you father we praise you we worship you in Jesus name amen